He was mad, or so they said, but others thought only disturbed, a loner and a wanderer, and in so many other ways far distant from his present world. So it was perfectly understandable, and perhaps even predictable, that a thoroughly paranoid, moderately self-sufficient, and quasi-militant group like the Chosen Brigade of the Seventh Seal would accept this ragged outcast into their remote and isolated private community, in their continued search for defendable truth and purpose within the boundaries of their determinedly secluded lives. They liked to talk at length and quote scripture frequently. He listened well. They liked to shoot guns, hunt and guide illegally in the surrounding forests, eat freshly killed game, reload ammo, drink home brew, and talk about putting the government on trial well into the late evening hours. He abhorred meat, guns, alcohol, and violence of any kind. They talked proudly of owning the donated land upon which their community had been built and being independent from the big brotherhood of government but never failed to collect their monthly allotment of food stamps or cash their disability, welfare, and social security checks. He professed no connections to any government data bank. They engaged in carnal activities as often as possible to maintain their genetic flow in peak condition so that they could repopulate the earth following the nuclear holocaust. He embraced celibacy. The sage did, however, serve as a willing audience and a welcome diversion, and best of all, he made few demands upon their carefully hoarded resources. They were deeply superstitious by nature, but they sensed that somehow, in some yet undetermined manner, he might serve them well in the coming days. So they let him stay. By consensus, of course, and for a predictably self-serving reason, if they were sufficiently patient and minimally generous, This scrawny, scraggly-bearded, hollow-eyed mystic might, someday, give them a glimpse of the inner truth that he so adamantly claimed to see. So they had hoped for several weeks now, which, in retrospect, probably explained why, toward the end of a late-evening council meeting, when all of the adult males gathered in small clusters around a dwindling fire, the men felt startled but not necessarily surprised when their resident sage suddenly began to mumble about the woman. At first, his soft, slurred, mostly unintelligible words, separated by intermittent periods of silence, attracted little attention. The men had long since grown accustomed to his random efforts at social intercourse, and their conversation flowed easily around his occasional mutterings. The council meeting continued. But the sage persisted, as if driven by a chorus of inner demons to connect, and somehow to communicate, with his fellow cave and cabin-dwelling misfits, and suddenly the words began to pour forth, as if released from a rapidly breached dam. In a matter of moments, he held their complete attention. Much of it consisted of pure rambling, and very little of what was intelligible made any sense. He called himself Tiresias and claimed he'd been both a rogue and a scoundrel before Hera, the wife of the supreme Greek god Zeus, blinded him and thrust him out into the world to be a messenger, a soothsayer for those seeking the truth. That explained his abstinence and the dark glasses and the faded white walking stick that never left his side, the council members whispered among themselves, but not the ancient motorbike that provided wobbly, noisy, and smoke-belching transportation for the demented old man.
The irrational, disjointed nonsense poured out of him, yet no one got up and wandered away, as many of the old-timers often did at these usually unfocused and unproductive gatherings. Even when the coals in the fire pit barely glowed, no one dared risk aborting the breathtaking flow of words by doing something so mundane, but possibly distracting, as fetching more wood. It was as if God himself had suddenly appeared before the men of the chosen brigade of the Seventh Seal to offer his insight into the importance and meaning of their self-imposed isolation. But there was more, much more. The beast will return, the sage announced with certainty, referring not to the Soviet beast which had given them an excuse to abandon their lives and take to the hills those many years ago, but rather to Bigfoot himself, the creature that virtually everyone in the group except the sage claimed to have seen at least once, but not recently.